Hello, welcome to a podcast for The Lancet to accompany our new series on drug safety. I'm Gavin Cleaver, uh, it's October 2019. Now, our new series consists of five papers, with each paper analysing the current impact and policy towards a different drug. Professor Louisa Dagenhart, Deputy Director of the National Drug and Alcohol Research Centre at the University of New South Wales in Sydney, is the author of one of the papers, and she joins me on the line today. Professor Dagenhart, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, no, thanks for having me. So your paper in the series is entitled Global Patterns of Opioid Use and Dependence, Harms to Populations, Interventions and Future Action. Now, of course, opioids have become a major health concern in the United States and many other countries. Besides, what's changed over the last decade or so to make opioids such a prominent issue? Look, I think there's been a few things. Firstly, opioid dependence has long been one of the most significant causes of health loss due to drug use. Um, But what has happened in some countries, uh, particularly North America, as you mentioned before, is um, there have been real increases in the scale of harms, um, and that's been due to a sort of a complicated mixture of events that included uh, large increases in prescribing of opioids for chronic non-cancer pain and and other pain conditions in a manner that is widely considered to have been far too profligate. Uh, When the problems were identified there... um, there was a, a real crackdown in, in prescribing, um, but unfortunately, by the time that occurred, many people had already developed problems. Um, and so in the absence of a widely available treatment for opioid problems, um, effective treatment, um, what we saw there was there was a large existing market and, and, and strong demand for opioids, which has led to um, increases in, in heroin use and then more recently, um, illicitly manufactured fentanyl. So that's the situation in North America, but it varies very widely across the globe, both in terms of the the, the opioids that are most likely to be used extramedically um, and also um, the extent to which opioid prescribing occurs at all. In many countries, opioids are rarely available even for, you know, if you've got very severe cancer pain. Um, but also in terms of um, what the responses are once um, someone has developed a problem with opioids. Yes, so you just mentioned it there, actually, but you talk in the paper about worldwide inequity of access for what is at root, of course, a vital pain relief medication. So in which regions of the world are these problems the most acute and how serious is the issue? Look, it's an incredibly important issue that I think, you know, we were really um, keen that in, in looking at the issues of opioid dependence and extra medical use that people don't forget the fact that opioids have very important clinical uses. In many countries in Africa, there is little to no availability of opioids, and that's for a range of reasons. And, and um, studies of you know what those factors are include you know governments being um, anxious about having a, a medication available that ha- does have potential for extra medical use. But in many countries in Africa, you know, access to effective pain relief is difficult, if not impossible. So it's really important that we maintain that kind of dual focus of access to opioids for um, medicinal purposes while minimising the um, potential um, adverse unintended consequences if opioids are too too readily available. So people who become addicted to opioids often find themselves trapped in a cycle of treatment and relapse. Uh, what are some of the problems posed by these long-term cycles of opioid use and what are some of the interventions that you recommend for this? Well, you know, one of the issues around, um, you know, entering treatment and then um, leaving treatment, effective treatment, is is that, that very thing that you mentioned there, is the risk that once someone leaves treatment that they return to use. What evidence suggests um, is um, that 
if people are retained longer in effective treatment, um, that has by far and, and above you know the best outcomes um, because for many people they may struggle for many years and their ultimate goal may be to no longer use opioids but the, the reality is that that is a very very difficult challenge for many people and so um, you know our real focus is on you know examining the evidence for which treatments and which interventions work and and one of the, the most um, highly effective um, interventions with the strongest evidence um, of impacts not only in reducing opioid use but also improving many, many areas of health and, and wellbeing for people is um, treatment uh, with methadone or buprenorphine as a substitute for illicit opioids. And there's extremely strong evidence for, for those interventions and, in fact, they are listed on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines for that specific indication because the evidence is so good. So those are the opioid agonist treatments that you talk about in the in the paper uh, as an effective treatment for opioid dependency. What makes it better than other interventions, and to what extent do health systems currently offer this as a treatment? I guess that you know the proof is in the pudding. When you um, when people are provided with you know appropriate doses um, of these drugs, they stay in treatment, they reduce use. Uh, many people report that they, you know, they like they're retained in treatment because it's not aversive to them. There are many interventions that, that unfortunately are delivered with the the goal of pe reducing people's opioid use that are actually harmful to the person. But for these treatments, there's very very strong evidence that um, it really does help people reduce their use of illicit opioids. It also improves their health and well-being. It reduces their risks of contracting blood-borne viruses. It reduces mortality risk. It improves well-being and it in, in, improves other areas of, of life as well. The sad fact of, it, of the matter is, though, that in many countries these treatments are not available at all. And in most countries, the, the number of people receiving treatment is far fewer than you would hope in terms of treatment coverage and the way in which these treatments are delivered are often very far from what would be considered um, best practice in terms of the doses people receive, the way in which treatment is given to them and how well people actually stay on treatment. Um, and so really, you know, improving access to and, and coverage of um, these treatments is one of the best things a government could think about doing if they were trying to reduce opioid-related harms in their country. Absolutely, and on to um, public policy. Of course, illicit use of opioids is generally a criminal offence. In, in the paper, you talk a little bit about shifting legal policy frameworks surrounding opioids to reduce harms to the person. Tell us a little bit about this approach to opioid use regulation and what it would look like. Okay, so in most countries worldwide, if someone is caught by the police with um, opioids on their person for illicit use, they can be charged with a criminal offence. Now, there is no good evidence that this in any way deters people from using opioids or from using other drugs. Um, and what, what um, happens is this actually places people at risk of um, being incarcerated for that very minor offence. Um, it also increases people's chances of have, getting a criminal record, which has lots of other flow-on, adverse flow-on effects for an individual. And so in the absence of having, having any impact, um, and also with evidence that things can actually go more poorly for, for people and it doesn't necessarily have any impact on their, their use in the longer term, um, the removal of that criminal um, sanction of personal use would allow us to avoid all of that chain of events for people. 
because there really is an evidence that, that that's an effective strategy to reduce opioid use. Our selection of five papers covering not just opioid use, but many other drugs besides, related comments, can be found now on thelancet.com. Professor Dagenhardt, thank you so much for talking with me today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks, Gavin.